Greetings, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Ask Shane Anything, a show where you can literally ask me just about anything that you want, as long as it's not too personal. This show generally is a reward for those of you who pledge at that Ask Shane tier at $7 or more per month. However, everyone gets to watch the archive. One note before we get going, it would be great if you could head to sifted.net and click the link in the header and ask me some questions. We're getting to the point where we're just getting enough questions every week to do the show every week. We'd like to have a little bit of a backlog if we can. So if you like the show and you want it to keep going, head on over there and ask me a question. Let's get to this week's question. Our first question this week comes from Lucky Wallace. Are there any series where you enjoy the storyline and characters, but you have become bored of the gameplay mechanics and would like to see changes? An example could be what happened with the Resident Evil franchise when RE4 was released. Okay, I don't really want to pick on specific franchises, even though that might be in the spirit of your question since you brought up RE4. And I will agree, RE4 was a great example. I think most people had grown tired of the tank controls, fixed camera perspective of survival horror games, and then here comes RE4 with the -the over-the-shoulder shooting mechanic. Here's the thing about that stuff. It doesn't happen very often. (laughs) There's a reason you had to pull your example from a game that is like almost 20 years old at this point, because unfortunately, it just doesn't happen all that often. So I've decided to kind of rejigger your question a little bit and, and answer it more about genres. Does that make more sense? I guess I thought about it for a second, and it's hard for me to come up with other examples other than RE4. So the first genre that I would say I've grown a little bit tired of and it really needs an overhaul, it's gotta be turn-based RPGs. Um, I've been playing turn-based RPGs for well over 30 years at this point. I feel like I've played just about every permutation and combination of what is kind of possible with that format, with that genre. And I'll say this, you know, across the years, there have been examples of games that have really stretched the boundaries of that. Even today, I feel like games like Persona 5 found you new and unique ways to handle turn-based combat. And then you look at what Square Enix has done, uh, particularly with like the Final Fantasy VII remake, where it doesn't want to completely let go of what made the original Final Fantasy VII such a hit. So it's kind of tried to create this middle ground combat mechanic where it's kind of turn-based but it's still action-based i feel like that stuff hardly ever works i wasn't a huge fan of it in the final fantasy 7 remake or in all honesty the other places where square enix and other developers have tried to make it work um so i think part of it is probably to do with my age again there's a new 13 year old kid <laughs> coming of age every single day in fact there's millions of them coming of age every day who have who haven't played all these turn-based rpgs from the past like i have i could totally get where younger players may be like wait a minute like i'm just starting to learn about turn-based rpgs i'm talking about me personally um i just feel like that genre has really grown stale almost to the point where we're getting like these reworks and remakes of older turn-based rpgs and those kind of are drawing more interest than some of the current ones now some of square enix's smaller they have like these smaller almost indie like imprints where they do turn-based rpgs now those the combat really isn't all that different but they are still using like kind of the throwback 2d sprites and i think that's been kind of the hook for those games not necessarily the combat so For me, turn-based RPGs are something that I feel like need an overhaul, um, and that's irrespective of the stories. I feel like the stories in turn-based RPGs have remained pretty solid for the most part. Now, another genre that I feel like 
probably needs a shot in the arm is the driving game or the racing game. Um, a lot of people might think, well, Shane, that's so simple. It's like you drive faster than the other guy. What more is there to it? Well, there is more to it because we've seen again a long time ago changes in the genre that move things forward. For example, the, um, the turbo drifting in Mario Kart 64. That was something brand new that completely changed how you played racing games. Ridge Racer, its drift mechanics and how it did the physics around turns. That was something new at the time. But it feels like it's been forever since we've seen any real progress in the driving genre. All we've really got is better graphics um, and open worlds. And that's pretty much it. Um, I don't feel like they focused on the gameplay mechanics of driving cars hardly at all. You got a gas and you use a stick for steering and you got a brake, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> um, so I feel like driving games have kind of been spinning at their tires for quite a while now. And the other thing I would say too is that like generally franchises that try to do something new in that genre do not do well. MotorStorm comes to mind. It kind of had that unique mechanic um, that was different. And the first one did pretty well. And I think a lot of that, again, was because of its visuals. But then the MotorStorm games after that did not do well. People lost interest. Um, and maybe it just is the market. Maybe the market for driving games, that's what people want. They want more realism. They want more and easier ways to race other people. And they just want the games to look better. But I feel like with the latest Forza Motorsport release, we've kind of reached the apex of how good driving games can look. And now what do you do? Now I feel like the developers are going to need to turn inward and start figuring out ways to attract people to their games based upon gameplay mechanics instead of just, wow, now our cars are made of 20 million polygons or whatever they, you know, they use to try to market these games these days. So um, turn-based RPGs, driving games, two genres that I feel like are really dragging their feet and innovating in any particular way. However, again... I don't want to pull out specific franchises unless it's something that I'm pointing out to say how things have changed in the past and how they can also change in the future. Now, the flip side of that, if there's a game where I like the mechanics, but I've lost sort of an interest in the plot and the story, there is one franchise that I can point out that I feel like that has happened with me, and that is Gears of War. Once upon a time, in fact, I just read a quote from Cliff. I think maybe he tweeted it or something where he said he still feels like making teenage boys cry with Gears of War back in the day was one of the most powerful moments of his career creating games. Um, he also, by the way, just recently said that he would be interested in working on a complete reboot of the Gears of War franchise with Microsoft if Microsoft were interested. My guess is Microsoft is not interested. However... I agree with Cliff. I think that that series needs probably a reboot because it had gotten to the point where with Gears 5, I really didn't care about the plot hardly at all. Um, there are callbacks to some of the old characters here and there, and that's where my ears would kind of tune in and I'd be a little bit interested again. But the new characters and the new generation of characters in Gears of War, I just haven't really resonated with them. Now, here's the thing, though. The gameplay in Gears of War, I am not burnout on. And why is that? It's because all the clones have stopped. Think for a minute. When was the last time you played a cover-based stop-and-pop shooter? Gears 5? <laughs> Think about when Gears was in, was in its heyday. Gears 1, 2, and 3. How many clones there were? How many 
third-person cover-based stop-and-pop shooters there were back then, and now they're all gone. So I only really play games like that now when a new Gears of War comes out. So I'm actually not burnt out on the gameplay because we just don't get it that often anymore, and once every four or five years, I'm cool with that. So if there's a franchise that's on the flip side of your question, which is, hey, I don't really care about the story anymore, but I still like the gameplay, for me, that is Gears of War. And I think there's a lot of potential there if they were to reboot it, kind of like how PlayStation did with God of War back in 2018, and just kind of completely rethink the franchise as a whole. Now, I hope that they don't take away that stop and pop gameplay. All right, our next question for this week's episode comes from Kevin. How would you play games differently if you didn't have to discuss them on Game Face or otherwise complete them before an embargo date? Kevin, to be honest with you, I haven't done it in so long. I don't even know what I would do. <laughs> I'll say this. I had a little bit of a more of an opportunity to, to kind of stop and smell the roses when I worked at game trailers, and I could kind of decide which games I could or could not play or which games I wanted or did not want to play. Um, a lot of times I had other work completely unrelated to what you guys saw on Invisible Walls or any other stuff we were doing, and I just didn't have time to play. And I, as the manager, I could say, okay, I need to pass these games on to somebody else so I can do this other stuff I need to do. That's not the case here at Sifted. I have to play everything um, because I'm, you know, Matt, between Matt and I, we need to try to tackle all the games you guys care about. And so sometimes I just have to play games that back in... I don't know, 2012, I would have passed off to somebody else and done some other work instead of playing it. But now I play them all. Um, So it's been so long since I've had the opportunity to actually think about how I play a game other than in the context of how am I going to talk about this on Game Face? How am I going to portray my feelings about this game to you guys, to our audience? Um, So it's been a bit of a layoff. However, I still can kind of remember how I used to play games and... Back when I first started, when I launched my own gaming website in college, Street Level Gaming, I played every game 100%. (laughs) I'll be honest, I did. I don't even know if I'm interested in doing that anymore, but I used to. Um, So when I ran an N64 and Dreamcast site, like, I would 100% all those games. You know, every big N64 game, I have 100% in almost all of them. So if there were achievements and trophies back then, I would have the Platinum Trophy in almost all of those games. But time cha- times change, things move on, you get more busy, you can't play games like that. And I'll be honest with you, over time I've kind of lost the interest to play games in that way. Um, where you're just like, okay, I've opened up this part of the map, I'm going to clear out kind of how Matt plays games, honestly. <laughs> I kind of envy him sometimes that he can play games however he wants. Um, so I don't really have the opportunity to do that anymore. So one thing I will say, though, that's good about how I have to play games now is that I make sure that I experience everything in the game. Now, I don't dive as deep into it. So collectibles in an open world game, I'll make sure that I collect a good amount of pretty much every collectible just to see how difficult or easy the developers make it to collect those things. So I have a good understanding of like the trials and tribulations across an entire game. That works. But like I just don't have a lot of interest in going to every nook and cranny of a virtual world at this point. I think part of it was that when 3D consoles first launched, like every nook and cranny of a 3D world meant something. <laughs> like, because we didn't really understand how 3D 3D games were going to be built and interacted with. Like, so you just assumed that, like, every little corner could have something hidden in it, so you'd go there. And I'll be honest with you, in those early games, a lot of times there was something hidden there. 
<laughs> now that's not the case. Like, I can't tell you how many times I, like, go down, like, a, a little hallway or whatever, expecting to find something at the end of it, and there's just nothing there. It's just, they just put it there because they could. It felt like there was a lot more purpose to 3D games when 3D games first launched, as far as every square inch of virtual terrain meant something. And so that was, like, a, something I had to relearn over time, is that these new games, they're not like that. You can go down these alleyways, and there may be, not be nothing of relevance there at all. And so after you do that for years and years, you kind of just stop going down the alleyway because it teaches you. You're like, don't go down there. There's not going to be anything there. So I don't think even if I had the time, I would still play games the way that I used to because the games have changed. The worlds have changed. So I guess what I would say is probably I would focus if I didn't have to play games for a podcast or for you guys, I would probably just focus on the stuff I really enjoyed more. Like, a lot of times in open-world games, there's certain mission types that you like and certain ones that you don't. But as someone who has to evaluate games, you have to try them all equally. So I guess if I didn't have to ultimately evaluate games for other people, I would play them how I want. And I would make sure that I enjoy the parts of the game that I personally am enjoying the most. Um, So that is probably how things would change. Also, taking notes and all the nuts and bolts that I do while playing games, that would obviously all go away Um, It is a little bit annoying at times to be in like the heat of a moment in a game and have to pause it and then go to my phone to my notes app and like type in an observation or a note about the game. It does break the flow of it a little bit, but I do think that over time you learn to accommodate for that and just kind of erase it from your memory. And so it doesn't affect your impressions of how the game is paced ultimately. It's strange, but um, so I guess ultimately I would play the games more how I would want to and experience more of the games, the parts of the games that I really enjoy personally. I would probably be less thorough. Would I enjoy games more or less? I don't know, because I do feel like sometimes when I force myself to experience parts of the game that I'm not particularly interested in, sometimes I find stuff that I really like, and it's actually a tool to discovering new ideas and new concepts that you thought maybe you wouldn't be interested in. So nothing like like with anything in life and with games nothing is cut and dried but i think generally i would be a lot more selfish if i weren't playing games to help you guys figure out if you want to buy it or not all right our last question for this week's episode of ash Shane anything comes from pain of demise what's your take on achievements and trophies i know with your job you don't have time to focus on them at all but if time was an issue would you bother with them Do you get any enjoyment out of obtaining them when they pop up? Have you ever gotten all of them in any game? Well, first of all, I'm going to say that I love achievements. Um, Obviously, I put them on our website, Sifted. There are achievements on Sifted. Now, I'll admit, at the high level that I'm at, I haven't got an achievement on Sifted for a while. (laughs) So if you're a power user, you do get to the point where you aren't popping achievements all that much on Sifted. There was only so much we could do as far as forward thinking. I mean, the the fact that I'm 10 years down the road of, well, eight years down the road of using Sifted, and I still have some achievements left to earn, it's kind of cool, but I do wish that we designed them so some of them were harder to get so that they would pop regularly. But I would also argue that by the time you've got like your first 40 achievements on Sifted, you're just a sifter and you're in it. So um, if the idea is to get people engaged with the website and keep them on the website and make the website sticky, then I think how we design it works. Um, But anyway, to your point, I like achievements. Um, I wouldn't have put them on Sifted if I didn't think that they were cool and I didn't think it was something. And also, you know, you may not realize it, but you get the same sort of endorphin rush. We have the pop-up that comes up with the little jingle. Now, here's the thing. I haven't exactly experienced 
any of that on consoles for a really, really long time. So you say, like, do you get that dopamine rush when it pops up? I don't get the pop-ups anymore. I have them turned off because I'm always capturing footage when I'm playing games, and there's nothing worse than having a B-roll and having an achievement thing pop up in the middle of the B-roll. So I've had those turned off for, like, years. Um, now, I will say this. Just recently, out of curiosity, I just went onto my PS5 and my Xbox Series and looked at my achievements. <laughs> so maybe that's why I selected this, because this is something that's at the top of my mind lately. But I went and looked at my achievements. And basically how it worked was, you can just see the eras. So my Xbox achievements are just, there's a huge stack of them from the Xbox 360 era, just hundreds and hundreds of them. And then it's kind of just radio silence for like four or five years. And now with Series X, they're starting to go up a little bit. But the last two generations, I've played most games on PlayStation, PlayStation 4 and now PlayStation 5. And so on the flip side of that, like my trophies are like flatline until PS4 and then they skyrocket and they've continued to skyrocket. So now I'm at the point where I have about an equal amount on each platform because of the amount of time that I dedicated to each one playing third party games. Um, but the truth is that like, I don't get that dopamine hit anymore like y'all get. Like when the achievements pop up, like I don't even know that I'm achieving the achievements. So now sometimes if I'm playing here and I'm capturing footage and I have like the Xbox app open on my PC and I'm playing an Xbox Series X games for capture, sometimes I'll get the sound effect from the Xbox app on my PC. I'll be like, oh, I just popped an achievement. But otherwise, I have no clue when they're happening. Also, by the way, like pretty much all my stuff is turned off. Um, and that is because I'm playing games early and the developers and the publishers don't want you to see the achievements and things like that before the games come out. So they tell you to go in and they give you very specific directions on how to go in and set everything up so nobody can see your achievements or any of that type of stuff. And so you guys can't even see the stuff that I've done in my games. So it's a little bit different working as a games journalist. The other thing I would say too is that like I have lost so many achievements or at least back in the day I did because I was playing most games on debug units, on Xbox 360 debug units. And so I wasn't using my account, I was using the account that was on that debug. And so I have lost just hundreds and hundreds of achievements to these debugs that are probably either sitting in a landfill right now or they're in Daniel Bloodworth's bedroom. <laughs> I don't know who took all that stuff when GT was disbanded. Like honestly, they probably should have contacted me because my name was on all the agreements for all that stuff. Like, they should have let me return that stuff, but they didn't. I don't know what happened to all of it. I hope I don't get in trouble someday because some debug pops up on eBay that has, like, my name and all my information on it that I signed back in the day. But anyway, um, so I've lost a lot of achievements, and I think that may have kept me from getting too into them, was that my the initial rush of achievements... I was losing almost all of them. And so I probably lost a little bit of interest there subconsciously. Um, and to answer your question, if I've ever 100%ed a game, no, not since achievements and trophies became official. Like I said, back in the N64 PlayStation Dreamcast days, I was 100%ing pretty much every game I played. Uh, but there weren't no such thing as achievements or trophies back then. So no, I've, I have no platinum trophies, not a single plat. Um, and I don't, there's not a single game where I've got every achievement either. I just don't have the time to go back and like look and say, oh, I'm missing these five and then go online and research how to get those five achievements and then actually go and do it. Like that is so far out of my schedule. It's just never going to happen. So 
there are good parts about just being the person who gets to play the games as a consumer versus people doing the jobs that I do. Um, I do think achievements and trophies are cool. I do totally get why people would want to get platinums. It's just unfortunately not feasible or, in all honesty, all that interesting to me. All right, that's it for this week's episode of Ask Shane Anything. I hope you guys have a great weekend as usual, full of games and whatever else it is that you enjoy. Um, again, this show is technically a reward for people who pledge at $7 or more per month at patreon.com sifted. Even if you're not pledging at that tier, you totally get to watch the show. We don't want to pull stuff away from our patrons. We love all you guys. However, if you do want to see this continue, it would be awesome if you could bump up your pledge to that $7 tier. It makes it more likely that Ash Shane Anything will continue. So have yourself a great weekend, and we'll see you for Game Face on Tuesday.